0: Before we get started, I want to tell you about a new company that's supporting the High Adventure Podcast. We all get aches and pains, and those of us in high-energy activities could sometimes use some relief. Well, that relief is here in the form of CBD products and NX Empire. NX Empire has the widest array of products available today, from oils and sprays and gummies to energy and focus capsules. NX Empire also has bath bombs, skincare products, and cosmetics. And so your best friends are not left out, NX Empire has a line of pet tinctures and treats. NX Empire is committed to nutritional quality and uncompromising sourcing standards. The CBD products are all lab tested to ensure quality and potency. And NX Empire products are all natural, and each product that ships from the warehouse maintains a lab certificate of analysis. So do yourself and the High Adventure podcast a favor and go to NXEmpire.com and enter the code HIGHADVENTURE at checkout and save 15% on all your products. Traveling through the wilderness for a significant distance these days is almost entirely by choice. Either you're on a single day or a multi-day hike, your motor vehicle of choice is broke down and you're walking to find help, or you're lost, in which case it's also sort of your choice. You did probably go into the backcountry voluntarily, and for whatever reason, chemical, liquid, or poor planning, you got yourself lost. It can be a harrowing or enlightened time to be lost, but for hundreds of years in this country people traveled great distances through wilderness areas danger from wild animals road bandits and the weather itself made traveling literally life-threatening suppose you're traveling through an unknown area today and were hungry or tired and ready for a meal and a warm bed do you think you could pull off the road and walk up to any house you saw that had lights on in the house and knock on the door and ask if you could sleep at their place and possibly if they could share a meal? You promise that you won't eat too much and that you'd be willing to sleep in the garage so as not to inconvenience them. My name is Jeff Vargin and this is the High Adventure Podcast. welcome to the high adventure podcast this is volume three of trip report if you're new to the season i take trip reports i find or that have been contributed and present them as single episodes this is volume three and it's a bit different as always you can follow us on social media at the high adventure podcast at gmail.com on twitter at high adventure podcast on facebook at the High Adventure Podcast, and on Instagram at High Adventure Podcast. We, as always, post these episodes on both our YouTube and Vimeo channels, and both these channels are found under our company name of Accidental Productions. I'm not sure whether to categorize this as a trip report or a short story, but in my mind, a good trip report is a short story. As I search around for trip reports, and I read a lot of them, They are often like reading a historical timeline or, at worst, a medical chart with hard facts but no emotion. I'm attracted to personal stories, and to me, a good trip report shares with the reader the truth and a personal feeling. People that are not afraid to admit failure and share their feelings of the trip that help the reader relate to the human side of the journey. I go places and do things to feel something and I have that same approach when I read a trip report. I don't go through life as if everything is a barcode response of a light beam and a beep sound. So I picked this story for this episode. There's no deathfall potential here, there's no life-threatening storms, and there's no finding inspiration through the struggles of others or any of that kind of nonsense. This trip report, or story, I hope causes you to ask the same questions you ask when you hear a story of someone on the edge of death or on some horrific snow-covered peak. And those questions are, why would they do that? And, would I do that? Here is Burl Rawls' trip report that he titled, A Stranger in the Night. I could look across the sage fields and I saw a dim light in the distance and the outline of a barn and corrals. My horse was pretty well used up and it had lost a hind shoe which I had tied to my saddle. I'd left the home ranch in Big Valley three days before looking for some stray horses and a few mules. I'd picked up their tracks and kept following till the day before when a rain came and washed away all signs of them. I'd made camp in a deserted homesteader's cabin. I was able to get my horse inside the cabin, and we put in a miserable night. We had no blankets, only my slicker and a saddle blanket. I was glad when daytime came. I ate the rest of my cold meat and had a little coffee, which I made in the old fireplace in a rusty can. I never tasted a better drink on my travels. The day started drearily and cloudy and a bit on the chilly side. I had to let my horse graze on what spare grass he could find, but finally we started across the flats and draws. I rode along thinking, where in the hell am I? I was only 18 years old, and I guess I was a bit bewildered and lost. I must have ridden 20 miles without seeing any sign of man or beast. And when it started to get dark, I thought, I will sure have to make a dry camp tonight under the stars, but... I finally crossed a gully and around a low ridge, and then I saw a light. I kept slowly on till I came to the yard fence, and a cheerful voice called out, "'Get down off that old tired horse, stranger, and come in. "'Ma has your supper hot on the stove.' It was the most welcome sound I'd ever heard. He came out of the gate and said, "'We saw you a long ways off, and we're sure glad to see you.' "'Why, you're only a button.' I'll take your horse to the corral and throw him some hay. He looks like he could use some. I went into the house, and the woman told me I would find water and a bar of soap and a towel on the back porch. She was a tall, friendly person with gray hair combed back in a tight little knot on the back of her head. I washed off most of the dirt and dried and combed my hair with a beat-up comb that was tied by a string, and I went on into the kitchen. There was a stove, table two benches, and a red oilcloth on the rough table. She put a plate of roast venison, brown beans, and brown gravy before me. It didn't take me long to clean up my plate, and she filled it again. I ate it a little bit slower, and she started to talk. She was just lonely for someone to talk to. After a while, her husband came in from the barn. he said, I got that shoe tacked on and tightened up the others. They were a bit loose, and this lava rock is tough on horses' feet, but He probably will take you home. I thanked him, and we settled down for an evening of talk. They seemed so happy with someone being there to just take care of. They said they hadn't been in town for a month and were hungry for news. They had a small spread of cattle and a bunch of saddle horses. He said, after I told them what I was doing in their country, we'll go out back in the breaks tomorrow where we run our horses. Maybe they just might have strayed out that way, and we'll look them over. I haven't rounded up our broomtails all summer. I must have looked sleepy. He finally said, Ma, this boy sure needs some shut-eye. Put him in Jimmy's room. I tried to tell him that I would bed down right on the floor, but they soon convinced me they wanted me in their boy's room. I went to sleep in a big old-fashioned feather bed covered with a homemade quilt. I hardly shut my eyes when the old man was shaking me awake and said, Ma's got breakfast on the table. He lit an oil lamp that was on a homemade dresser near the bed. I was soon washed and sat down to home-cured ham, eggs, biscuits, jam, and black coffee. We really stored away the food. Mom and I washed the dishes. She had a pair of men's Levi's, a wool shirt, and boots with spurs on. We went out to the corral and there were eight to ten saddle horses. The old man would rope one and tie him up and grab another till he had six head tied. He said, son, take that little Sorrel with the white star. He's tough, but he'll quiet down after a few crow hops. We'll let your horse rest today. We'll be back this evening. I put my saddle on him. He sort of humped up and walked light. I climbed up and he did a frog walk, only he was off the ground. But I dug in and managed to hang on till he decided we were going on this expedition together. The old man had a good laugh, and Ma said, You shouldn't have done that to that nice boy. But I could see she was pleased, and we each led a horse. The old man said, Where we're going, we might need a change. If not, we'll turn them loose for the summer. They all need a rest. We rode about ten miles when the old man said, Here's mules' tracks. We soon came on to about forty horses and my mules. We rounded them up, and he said, Ma, You hold them here in the valley and the boy and I will take a look-see at some cattle I haven't seen for a while. We moved out and soon came about 200 head of mixed bunch of white-faced stuff. We looked them over and then rode back to Ma. She was off her horse under a juniper tree. She soon got out the lunch she put in her saddlebags and we sat around on the ground while the horses grazed. We finished our lunch and soon rounded up the loose horses and mules. Then we had to cut out my bunch, which took some maneuvering, but that little Sorrel was a real cutting horse. I had to really sit tight and just show him which one I wanted. He gave me a nickel change every time he turned on a dime. After we had cut my bunch out, we turned loose the ones we'd led. Only I changed to a larger buckskin with a black line down his back. A real road horse, but not such a cutting horse as little Sorrel, which I had named him after General Stonewall Jackson's favorite horse. I bid Sorrel goodbye with a lot of regrets. We started the bunch back to the home place, which we reached when it was almost dark. We put the stock in the corral and fed them hay and filled the watering trough from a hand pump direct into the trough. By that time, Ma called, come and get it. We really did justice to that stew and beans and biscuits, with a dish of dried prunes and coffee to boot. We cleaned up the dishes and set out on the front porch looking across the sage flats. It was a beautiful moonlit night. You could almost reach out and touch the stars if you'd let your imagine wander. We talked of this and that. Ma said, I guess you wonder about our Jimmy. He was about your size and age when it happened. Pa said, Now, Ma, don't go and get yourself started again. What's done is done. We can't help it. This boy don't want to hear our heartaches. I figured I owed him that much, and... I could at least listen to them tell of their boy. I asked politely what happened to Jimmy. Pa took a deep breath and stoked and lit his pipe. He finally said with a choke in his voice, "'A horse fell on him out back in the brakes. I was laid up with a broken leg, and Ma didn't find him till the second day. She tied him on a horse and brought him home. We put him on that little knoll you can see over to your right with the white picket fence.' You see, that's why we can't ever leave here. Part of us is over on that knoll. I could hear Ma sobbing softly in the dark. What could I say? It was the saddest experience I ever had. We just sat looking at the stars, each one with his own thoughts. I guess they felt better talking about it, and I reminded them of their gym. We finally got up and started into the house, and Ma said, can I kiss you, burl? I took her into my arms and we both cried and she kissed me like I was little. Said, "Good night, boy." And Pa said, "Thanks, boy, for coming our way." After a hearty breakfast, I thanked them and they made me promise that I would be back in the fall for a mule deer hunt in October. Which I did. I came back and brought my brother. We stayed 10 days. What wonderful memories came crowding back as I sit here and write this letter. It's been 50 years since I rode up on their home, a tired, cold, scared, lost kid. But it just seems like yesterday that I got home with my horses and mules. The next spring was 1917, when my brother and I enlisted in the army, and we didn't get back until 1919. We went to see the old folks, but they were both gone. I'm sure wherever they are, they are loved and God in his wisdom will have them all three together welcoming pilgrims who got lost in life's journey. When I was very young, I thought Jimmy Durante was my uncle. If you don't remember or know who Jimmy Durante was, He was the old man who kicked the bucket at the beginning of It's a Mad, 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 Mad World movie, and he was also the narrator in the old Frosty the Snowman cartoon. If you've never seen either of those things, let's just say he was an old vaudeville entertainer who sang but couldn't sing very well, and he danced but he couldn't dance very well, and he told jokes that weren't very funny. He was a standard set piece in variety shows of the 60s and 70s and he looked just like my Uncle Burl. The same Burl whose trip report you just heard. Burl was my grandfather's brother, and he was one of eight kids, six of whom survived childhood and all of whom were characters in some form or another. All of them had experiences that would seem like fiction if it wasn't known to be true. Burl and his wife Maude were an interesting couple, and early on were in show business, sort of. Burl had a dog act in a traveling circus and Maud played the piano during the performances. They traveled the country playing small and very small towns in the years after World War I and on into the Depression. Burl later spent many years as a cook in a county jail and was even an elected official in county government at one point. Burl loved stories both hearing them and telling them. In all his stories the line between fact and fiction could be blurry at times, but that could just be the human brain and its manipulation of our own memories. I remember him telling me a story about a UFO he witnessed landing in a field. He and Maud had stopped the car and watched the ship as it sat in this field next to a country road. True? Who knows. But for Burl, that was real. As you can imagine, things were tough for show people that lived on the fringes and in the early 30s, Burl and Maud did what is today unthinkable. With no money or prospects, they made the decision to sell one of their two children. And, in fact, they did sell her for $500. Keep in mind that the selling of children, though illegal, was not uncommon in that era as families struggled to make ends meet and, in the mind of the parents, were perhaps offering their child a better life. Native American families in the U.S. and indigenous people of Canada had their children taken from them without their consent and sold to white families. The idea was to rid society of Native culture. But for Burl and Maud, whom I remember as the nicest, sweetest, if not a bit eccentric people that were in my extended family, the decision to sell their daughter must have been the most heart-wrenching decision a parent could make. Well, the transaction never fully took place. Pearl and Maud did sell their daughter, but were caught by the authorities and were forced to return the money and take back their child. Like many during the Depression, they made decisions that are looked at now as horrific, but at the time, felt like a gift. They looked at their situation and truly felt their child would be better off with another family. I can't imagine what those nights were like for them as they discussed this decision. There's no point to this story other than to offer a trip report from a relative that lived through a time in history that we will never fully appreciate the sacrifices necessary to simply survive. But knowing what you now know about Burl and hearing his trip report and the empathy and compassion he possessed, can can you judge him? Or can you find that people can be more than one thing? Thank you for listening to High Adventure Podcast and Volume 3 at Trip Report. Bring your ticket to the show and leave your judgment at home and we'll see you at the end of the road. I'm just like my old man He told me so Lying on his deathbed Watching a picture show The product of the night smoke